Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years' experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi, and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo, and today we have a part two of our podcast on FND with the wonderful Dr. Michelle Gregory. Do you want to say hi? And anyone who hasn't caught our first episode on FND yet, just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are. So hello everyone, my name is Dr. Michelle Gregory and I'm a clinical psychologist and my area of uh, specialism, expertise and passion is functional neurological disorder. And um, last time we talked a lot about um, what FND is and my personal experience of it. And so today we're going to be focusing on what rehab looks like in terms of functional neurological disorder because it takes it's so different for everybody and there are different options out there for people so thinking around how we can um support people to get help so if anyone hasn't listened back yet please listen back to our last episode so we did some really good work actually it was really well received episode it's one of the best received episodes that i've done so i'm really super proud of what we achieved with that but there's something about you know what FND was what it isn't um and you use some really wonderful phrases to try and explain about people seem to know what FND is but don't at the same time it's something people hear but actually what is it so please listen back to that episode to just get an idea about what the barriers to getting a diagnosis are um but obviously we couldn't fit in that kind of 50 minutes everything and today what we want to do then is bring in so how do we work with it what's rehabilitation look like but also sourcing help because obviously we're both psychologists who work privately we charge fees for our work there can be a lot of myths a lot of misconceptions about what that might look like then if you're reaching out for that private help so we want to bring that in as well don't we so let's start with rehab then where do we start (laughs) that's a good question to begin with where do we start what does that look like yeah so um, the first bit of rehab is always psychoeducation, which is interesting because that's essentially what we talked about last time. Yeah. So lots so of useful. like, yeah, what, what is FND? How do we understand the mechanisms of it? Does this make sense yeah. to what you're going through? Because that is such an important like light bulb moment of it like, really is. oh, oh, because I thought that was really weird or I would be the only or it didn't make sense and then oh so that's why it makes that's why my body's doing what it's doing yes and the importance of so the first part is always psychoeducation explaining what FND is what it isn't and if you can help somebody like make those connections or have those light bulb moments you're cooking with gas and then what that does the, the mechanisms behind that is it gives people technical term psychological safety of like yeah yeah oh okay this is this is a thing this is what's going on and but yeah. what is more helpful in rehab it's less of the why in the initial bits because we can never really know why but it's more yeah, of a, that's a good point how. yeah but lots of th- lots of things we never we can never fully know why like as psychologists we're 
we are yeah. skilled and we're trained in um, what we call formulation, which is essentially how do you make sense of what someone's going through? And that's usually, that's in best practice that's shared and it's kind of linking in what we know about theory about what's going and what's going on in someone's life. But we don't know what we don't know. So there's, so it's that is another classic brilliant Michelle phrase that I oh. think people need to hold on to. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose in order to get better, you don't really not need to know yeah. exactly why you develop So, yeah. but because what helps you get better is knowing the how does this show up for you? What are the mechanisms yes. for yeah. you? So talking through the mechanisms of what we talked about last time which is like thinking about attention and so that can be often be around so and with a good formulation it leads you to then what do you need specifically to help you it's that kind of golden yeah. thread of like how does this make sense of what of your background what's happened to you before now why now maybe and yeah. um what we can do, often do in psychological rehab is thinking about the why now. So that for some people that might be trauma, other people it might be burnout, it might be yeah. undiagnosed or diagnosed neurodiversity and living in a or living in a situation where your neurodiversity is not particularly well thought about or held in mind. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we know that there's a, a lot more kind of media attention on that, people that have got either misdiagnosed or missed especially women mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. people can refer back i've done a couple of different podcast episodes on that if people want to link those episodes to this as well absolutely absolutely and because um and particularly women or non-binary people quite often yeah. we were around good people we were polite and paid us and could focus and then it came out maybe yeah. later on in life with increased demands or it might have come out like in different settings so we so part of the psychology rehab is kind of maybe thinking about the why now because what that can also do is go like oh okay so if that's made me a bit more more vulnerable to this or these are my triggers so lots of the psychological rehab is helping you identify your triggers and reduce them for a little bit yeah to allow things to kind of settle down and then slowly increasing your tolerance towards them in a way that is kind of mindful and intentional and so we do lots and lots of work around boundaries in lots of psychological rehab so Quite often, many people with FND, we can really struggle with saying like no to certain things or mm, knowing when our yeah. bodies are saying no. Yeah. And, and so if we're not very used to like those whispers and our body whispering to us, or we kind of go, la, 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 la. Yeah, that's fine, body. That's cool. Thanks for telling me. But I've actually got all this stuff to do. Thanks very much. I've got to get on with that. So just shh. All I've of life's demands. And we're in a fast-paced society, aren't we? You know, instant emails popping up here, there. We can get really quite easily into those unhealthy cycles of needing to respond. I haven't got time for anything else that's going to get in yeah. the way. Yeah. And you don't have to have FND to kind of go into that trap either. Of, Absolutely, um... yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, this is part of normalising it as well, that Many of yeah. the reasons or mechanisms behind FND, they're not some unique 
thing. It's quite often what many mating people experience, but it just that stress or that pressure or those yeah. reduced bandwidth comes out neurologically. Yeah. Yeah. I think quite a nice compassionate way of phrasing that. But also coming back to your really good point before. That kind of question of why, it's very easy to get stuck. Why has this happened to me? And anything, not just with FND, yeah. but actually yeah. sometimes it can be unhelpful because that can actually stop you from moving forward, looking at solutions. Um, so I think that's quite an important thing to get across. To yeah. You. you know, that kind of why now is a very different question from why is this happening to me? Um, you know, yeah. there can be shock. It's a natural question to ask, isn't it? Why has this happened to me? I need to find out why. Because we think that the solutions lie in the answer to that question, don't we? Absolutely. And if you think about ruminating and how ruminating can sometimes be a bit one of those things that pretends like it's helpful and then it sneaks up on you and then you're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If I sit here long enough and worry about it all and go through it all, then I'm in complete control and this answer will magically appear. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that element of control is why wouldn't you want to have control when when your body is out of your control and thinking and ruminating might be something that's in your control so as a a, in the psychological aspect of rehab we can often yeah if if control or if like ruminating is part of going on having a compassionate person to because we don't learn in our in our learning disability days we don't learn by taking away do we we learn by adding in helping people develop new skills and you can only learn when you feel safe yeah so So for those people that might not know us and our history we worked together many moons ago or maybe i'll just say a moon ago otherwise it'll sound super old um in services for people with learning disabilities didn't we so um sometimes we bring in (laughs) some of our history there some of the things that we used to do with that client group which are quite applicable to other people as well Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, there's lots and lots of work that I do that's quite applicable from learning disability work with and thinking about um, like how when almost kind of thinking about that traffic light system of when things are really, really hard for you, what do you need in place? How can you reduce the demand? But what can you still do that can or what skills do you need or what support do you need when things are like you are really struggling you your paralysis is really hard your tremor is really tricky you're having seizures a lot how do we reduce the demands on you but still help you identify what you can do that makes you feel good competent connected how feeling safe in in movement so um it yeah so and then it might be that when you're getting there like when you're in the amber stage as well you might be like okay I'm recognizing this what do I need to kind of be putting in or it might be that you're on coming down from like things being really quite tricky yes so how do I start increasing it because that's a that's really common both in F&D and actually in lots of my long COVID work that I do in the NHS is how do I know when I can start increasing the demands that so I've needed to kind of cut things right back to to look after myself and to recover how do I know when I'm 
doing more or am I pushing it? And that balance is so, so hard to know because there is no right answer. Yeah. And I really wish there yeah. was. And so in terms of the psychological rehab, in terms of fatigue management with FND, it is around how can we help you feel safe to try it out and to yes. see. So you say, for example, you really, really want to go to your children's um, act, like play or you want to go have a drink with a friend or you Bloody want something valued stuff it's yeah. really important yeah. and it's and living with fnd can be really really isolating and so how can you do that and then feeling okay to test it out and knowing what might you need might you need to take things pair things back and planning lots of rest time on the day not just the day but two days afterwards that's the thing around like the particular type of fatigue that comes with FND, long COVID or chronic fatigue, it's not the day after, it's the two days after and it sneaks up on you where you're like, oh, I, th I think I've got away with this. And then the day after you're like, no, no, I didn't. That's a really good point. So just picking up a few things, adding some threads together. There's something there around those initial boundaries, saying no, scaling back on something in those kind of early days. But yeah. then we might get a familiarity or comfort around not doing certain things yeah. and then is it all right to ask can there be fear because that's something that came to mind for me then about starting to reintroduce things yes a, how to introduce it and what it looks like but the fallout then you know because I can imagine for some people and I've worked with um people with all sorts of different conditions where this might apply as well that well actually is it worth trying that thing if then two days later I'm going to not be able to do stuff or have to take some time off work again or you know that kind of backwards and forwards um it's tricky stuff to talk about but I imagine that those are quite big barriers to people moving forward absolutely because the cost is real yeah. and if you're self-employed or if you're in, well, yeah. like in an environment where yeah. people don't get it or if your family don't get it then it it can be really hard to feel safe enough to to try it out and yes. to trust that yeah. you can it both stop like i guess like there's the psychological barriers but there's also the real practical yeah. social yeah. barriers that if you if you if you're concerned you won't get paid two days or if you're like verging on that like you've had a cut few mm -hmm. sick days and then it you know that that might tip you, tip you into a disciplinary yeah. if you take off another day. Yes, of course. Yeah. Having someone to be able to kind of mindfully and intentionally weigh it up and go, okay, if the cost is too much, yeah, is there a way you can do this in a less tiring, in a, in a less demanding way? So rather yeah. than going out for a coffee, can you invite someone back to yours? Yeah. If you're too tired to um or if your f and d symptoms are getting in the way of your of your house being clean and you're a bit embarrassed to have people around yes yeah it's a good point there <laughs> um it's really hard but then it's thinking about who do you feel safe with who who are the people who really get you and can come around and be like it doesn't matter what they're doing uh, what your house looks like they just want to spend time with you so 
and that's what I love about what we were talking about you always bringing it back to values I that's what I love about the, your podcast and like your way of working thank you values is so so to me it's just the core of what what I do um and I think helping people understand that difference you know the goal might be I need to invite someone back coffee or you know the goal might be I've got to make this kind of progress but actually if you come back to the values that underpin that why is it important for me to connect with someone why is it important for me to engage with this rehab in a certain way I think you bring a certain element of compassion in as well don't you absolutely I think just people listening actually that's really important that it sounds very person-centered the rehab it's not a kind of a one model fits all is that right pretty much I mean if you've so I'm going to be a bit geeky and go into the evidence space, but all the Please evidence. Do. Bring it on. <laughs> There's been lots of different um, trials around what works for FND. Yeah. And the number one uh, phrase, and it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a technical phrase, but the response is heterogeneous, and what that means yeah. is people respond in different ways to whatever. It could be CBT. It yeah. could be medication. It could be acceptance commitment therapy it could be psychodynamic therapy it could be just physiotherapy everybody responds different so if you've met one person with fnd you have met one person with fnd it can present michelle phrase (laughs) yeah um and it, it can present so differently because each person's symptoms are different depending on and each person and how they show up and why they show up are going to be different so yeah whichever and i've talked a lot about psychological uh, rehab and i really do want kind of want to talk about some uh, what course, physiotherapy yeah. rehab yeah. and what occupational therapy rehab or what speech and language therapy rehab can look like um because allied health professionals are such a key part of yes. um D rehab and Locally in the NHS, it's you're more likely to be able to tap into an allied health professional to help you in terms of the NHS than a specialist psychologist, which is a shame, but it but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, but um, I think again, this is useful information to people to know. Yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. We have information so, we can make choices about what we want to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. So once you have your diagnosis from a neurologist more than likely what you would get is a referral up to one of the specialist London services or kind of national services. Okay. Um, And they are excellent and they offer um, multidisciplinary um, intervention or both outpatient and day patient and sometimes inpatient, which means people actually stay in hospital to get better. Okay. I don't think they're... I would be saying two out of ten. However, unfortunately, the demand far outstrips capacity. So sometimes waiting lists are really long. I was so, going to ask about that, you know, in terms of just letting people know. And I guess, does that vary on location where you yeah. are in the UK? Yeah. 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 So, um, and some places in the UK do have local services that people can be referred to, others others don't um I know more right. about Sussex um so Sussex unfortunately there isn't any we do have a non-epileptic um attack disorder service that's based in Hayward Seath and it does cover all of Sussex um so if you have non-epileptic seizures you can get 
you can also be referred to that service. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's East and West Sussex as well, is it? East and West Sussex, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's um, area. Yeah, absolutely. And other than that, in terms of NHS, you'll probably be looking at your local um, physiotherapy services or adult speech and language therapy services okay. or um, occupational therapy services. How that, which local service that particularly comes into will vary depending on your location. So I, I can't go into exactly how that might be. And just to look. clarify for people as yeah. well, it's not yeah. necessarily then that it would be a specific FND service that has these things no. within it, that this could no. be, you know, standalone services that you're then signposted to. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And there might be, and I do know that there are little pockets of people, and I, and I can only say from Sussex, that there are yeah. pockets of um, different clinicians with different areas of expertise and interest. Yeah. So we're we're so the chance so it's always worth asking to be referred to a local service just in case somebody yeah, in that yeah. local service does have an interest or 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 that and that but and that's good advice as well that's something in your control to ask yes absolutely yeah can't guarantee it but yeah you're entitled to ask um and so if you do start to see a, a best practice is to have like an, a multidisciplinary approach to everybody working together um sometimes that's possible sometimes it's not um but it's also there's there's also some evidence as well but you don't need to even though fnd is a neuropsychiatric condition so there's the element of the psychological kind of emotional processing aspect there's been some evidence yeah. that some of you do have motor symptoms so problems with paralysis or tremor yeah. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to see a psychologist to get better. Um, seeing, uh, having physiotherapy input in itself can have as good outcomes as seeing a psychologist. And what that involves is yeah. helping you feel safe in movement. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's really important to think about with um, physiotherapy. It it often looks the same from the out from the outside, but the reason how it's working might be slightly different okay so it's not like if i do this and i do these 10 reps this will help strengthen up my muscles it's not necessarily about the amount you repeat the exercises it's more around how do you start to feel safe with the exercises that word safety's come up a lot already hasn't it yeah yeah because you can't it's the key part to recovery so basically where we want to yeah. get to is, oh, oh, and, and uh, oh, why are oh, my arms doing this thing again? Okay, all right, never mind. I know what I need to do now. So these are what I can do. So let me use my breaths. Let me try and uh, use my other limbs to be doing something to distract me. Can I go spend some time with someone and just like wait out? Or can I get yes. myself somewhere again? safe if I'm out and about so I and when it to wait for it to sort itself out and then I go it's a those are the things that can sometimes not be easily accessible when you're first diagnosed or if you're feeling like it's completely yeah. overwhelming and, the, and that's how FND works because yeah. essentially this is all new it your brain 
still experiences the symptoms as new and so that with that newness comes shock frustration oh, absolutely yes yeah yeah disappointment that fear factor that we mentioned before sounds very act-based that actually that's right to ask then that yes. you know if you can yeah. get to a point which obviously takes time yeah where you're able to go ah okay I'm noticing that thing look my arm's not doing what it should do or I've got a tremor whatever it is and rather than hooking with the oh, why is this happening and I've got to stop it you know all the kind of fear-driven anxiety-driven stuff it's just that what can I do even with this is there something yes. small bigger medium somewhere in the middle yeah. Um, yeah. And that takes time. But I think it's quite important for people to kind of understand that that's a useful model. Um, absolutely. Yeah. That is in your control, isn't it? it? It absolutely is. You can't control the symptom, but you can control yeah. your response to it. And absolutely. So, and, the, and what I love about ACT as well is it talks about like being flexible, having a range of options. Panic will always be an option. It will. Yes. <laughs> and <Yeah>. sometimes. <laughs> well, all of us, not just with yeah. MND. Exactly. Uh, and but also if you can learn to add extra options in then that's really um then you then you're starting to kind of get on the way to to where you, yeah to where you, to where you need to be in terms of recovery and so um what physiotherapy can often look like it's around it will depend on the particular types of symptoms that you're having so if you're experiencing yeah. dizziness it might be around um reducing safety behavior so instead of like kind of holding really onto the wall yes yeah to be able to um hold yourself up because that dizziness is really bad and you and that yeah. is helping yeah. you feel safe can you start to feel safer with just with maybe putting your fingertips on the wall and then so learning and then this is where you go a little bit old school behavioral with just your body learning and experiencing what that feels like to have less support and you can still manage that and tolerate that old school but effective yes. that's how i like to say it yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um or it could be um helping somebody like if you've got a tremor sometimes the what can be really really helpful is having repetitive um rhythmical movements and copying somebody yes we and touched it, on this a little bit last time, which I was really interested in. And what that does, essentially, is you're being really geeky. You mirror and mirror and start kicking in. And, like, we're social beings and we want to kind of copy what somebody, yeah. are, what somebody else is doing. And if it's an unaffected yeah. limb, then there's something very, like, so it's lots of repetitive rhythmical movements. So it's, sometimes it's kicking a ball against a wall or throw, playing yeah. catch with someone. Yeah. All that automatic, I don't have to think about this, my brain my body knows what it needs to do yeah that's and this is the key thing that goes across all the areas of rehab it's what is an activity what is something that you do that allows you to yeah. get into like this flow state if yeah. what we call it where your brain can switch off and your body can just trust to do what it's doing yeah if you were historically an athlete it might be that um running might not necessarily be available to you or yeah. it could be that um walking or um jo jogging or kind of high or swimming might be swimming's awesome yes. for if it's within okay. your because again your body just knows how to do it. it's an overland yeah. skill um quite often i 
or if you're or if you've played a musical instrument quite often you could be yeah quite significant motor symptoms but then you put yourself in front of um a piano or you play the violin and then it just like your body knows what it's doing and your brain and it's that and how wonderful is that to feel competent and yeah. to yeah. connect to that and I am just gonna like uh, put something in there that I am neither an athlete nor particularly talent no I have no talent musically whatsoever for me it was jigsaws so I know but it doesn't yes. have to be like something spectacular so in terms it, of your own rehab yeah 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 so yeah, people that so may not I, yet have listened to the first episode yeah you very kindly shared your own personal journey with FND as well so I think that's really important for people to go back and um, and listen to as well because I think not only do you have that fantastic clinical knowledge but also you have that lived experience and that's quite a, a unique combination, isn't it? And I think in terms of like challenging stigma, yeah. I think it's yeah. really important because I think yeah. that FND is really quite stigmatised um, in a way that people can talk about having anxiety or depression and almost everybody now goes like, oh yeah, yeah, we get what that yeah. is. Yeah. If somebody says they have MS, multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's, people go, oh, okay, yeah, we know what that is. FND is this in-betweeny bit. You're like, what? Yeah. What? What do you mean sometimes you can, like, sometimes you're paralysed, but sometimes you might not be. Sometimes you need a wheelchair, but other times you don't. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, what does that mean about you? Oh. <laughs> so I think part of why I really want to, and why I'm really grateful to you for, for having me on is because I think we really need to challenge the stigma and there's, yeah. a, there's a wonderful yeah. charity called F&D Hope if anybody's not come across it. I'll put um, it back in the show notes for this episode it's in the show notes for the previous one we did as well. They are all about challenging stigma they've, they've put on some wonderful there's some wonderful work they're doing with IT, ITN news around like our amazing mm. brain they're yeah. doing a documentary around um, people with lived experience wow. with FND and they offer free um, support groups as well. So, yeah, if you do have FND and you're struggling to get some support, FND Hope, I would say, would be your best bet. So physiotherapy is is quite often the one of the most important. Occupational therapy is also really important and occupational therapists are around helping people be independent in their <laughs> Yeah. as independent as they possibly can be and what that might look like in fnd it might look like um reducing aids or getting the right aids for you yeah. or the right yeah. reasons so for example um yeah sometimes you might need a wheelchair to kind of manage fatigue yeah. so for example yeah. so it's a really so it's a really tricky thing with with wheelchairs as well so it's important to have some um professional advice about whether a, an aid is needed for you or, or not sometimes it's around, that's important yeah. then isn't it yeah because I'm just thinking there might be some family members I don't know whether you come across this but I'm just thinking back into my kind of head injury brain injury days where people might be meaning well and suggesting things but actually yeah. it sounds like it's actually really important to make sure you get professional advice on that Absolutely. as well Absolutely so for example if you are wearing if you are using crutches it kind of yeah. allows you to like hunch a little bit um yeah. and it that doesn't get into like a normal movement pattern 
Yeah. And so yeah, this is quite point. often what happens with FND is the things that we do to try to compensate for our physical difficulties. Can I have inadvertent consequences yes. of making things a bit trickier? So, And it's understanding that, being able to catch yeah. it as well. Yeah, because there may be yeah. people listening going, but, but I need that. I can't get yeah. around or I might fall or I can't get Absolutely. to work, I can't do my job, can't parent, all of those things. But can't get into can't get into college because I can't walk yes. around yeah. college. I can't walk around yeah. college. I don't need my wheelchair outside of school, college, but I do need it yes. when I'm in there yeah. because yeah. school lessons or college lessons do not stop to wait for you to have enough time to walk from one bit yeah. of the campus yeah. to another. Yeah. Or if it's around needing a wheelchair, maybe that you are pushing it off. You want to go for a walk along the seafront with your family. And then if you're tired, yeah, yeah. then you can then rest for a bit. And it means that you can then go out and do more valued activities. But like pushing the wheelchair allows you to have that better like uh, posture and to kind of be able to kind of access those normal movements. And then what occupational therapy can do is help you and alongside with phys physiotherapy help you feel safer get to that safety yes. place without the aids or is slowly reducing the need for the aids as your normal movement patterns come back yeah. that's the overall aim they can also be really really helpful with fatigue management as well so okay that's important yeah because in, in terms of like learning how to prioritize not always easy learning yeah, how I'm to thinking just working parenting no many demands that can be on us as adults yeah absolutely uh knowing how to pace as well and like if I do this now then I need to rest and then I need to um maybe do something else or am I gonna try to maybe do one physical activity but then I need to do some like paperwork for example, yeah. of like that life admin stuff that can be really overwhelming and cognitively tiring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's not go on school apps. <laughs> but that comes back to what you were saying before about the importance of that psychoeducation and a good formulation. There mm. may be, we're talking about the fact that some people may have a few good days and then a couple of bad days or even weeks is yep. not being tempted then because that's the thing that just came to mind for me then to oh I'm having a good few days let's get everything done let's blitz the house let's get that yeah. work done let's yeah. show everyone at work I can move around all day but actually that doesn't sound like a helpful model no an understandable one but not helpful completely understandable because why wouldn't you if you can't guarantee yeah. Yeah. that your energy is going to be there why yeah. wouldn't you try and get everything done or be like yes I finally feel like me again absolutely but part of that as well is it comes along with the acceptance is accepting that good days are potentially, it's not just the bad days that come and go, the yeah. good days also come and go. And can you leave something in your tank? And that Absolutely. requires a lot of trust in yourself and trust in. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm think I'm trying to remember the third piece of so planning, pacing and, oh, planning. Yeah goes with pacing and prioritizing so you have to kind of yeah. plan things in as well that's the other thing as well that people don't often talk about is just all those things that used to be automatic like just going out to the car and going off the, to the park or going yeah. to around the yeah. shops it when you have fnd or any of the other or like 
or long COVID or any or anything like that. Those things that used to be automatic now require such a level of micromanagement, and that sucks. And then because you might notice that this is yes. now a thing, and it didn't used to be, and why is it comes yes. back to those questions again, doesn't it? Why? Why me? You know, why can everybody else yeah. do this? Why? Yeah. And another yeah. thing as well that OTs can help with is uh, sensory, depending on the OT, sensory yeah. integration, because quite often in FND, our sensory systems can get overloaded. Um, our, our filter doesn't work quite so well, so often things can be too bright, too noisy. Um, uh, things might feel a bit too tight or too itchy that we never used to be bothered yes. by before. Yeah. And there's also something, and I'm going to geek out a little bit around interoception. We love it. So, Bring okay, it on. Yeah. Yeah. So interoception is a word that essentially means like, how do we know what's going on in our bodies? And yeah. most people with FND really struggle with like, how do I know if I am tired, hungry, thirsty, anxious? What are all these internal signals in my body telling me? What? Do, how does it feel? How does one feel different from another? And then how do I know what to do with it? Because you can't do fatigue management if you don't know what those early signs of tiredness are. Absolutely. So absolutely, getting people who get that element can be really, and also the same for pain as well. Like this isn't, this doesn't mm, just like knowing yeah. like those early pain signals or like being able to, or if external stimuli kind of trigger off a pain response, knowing like, oh, okay, that's little because again, it's coming back to those whispers. Quite often, we aren't very like good at tuning into the whispers. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I I borrowed that heavily from my stole. <laughs> let's just go with stole from my colleague Kim Wilson up at Surrey Hills Rehab. That's all that's up for a bit of stealing. Great. Yeah, <laughs> stealing with. I like to reframe it as sharing. <laughs> sharing. Yeah. Yeah um so if your body just doesn't know how to interpret those whispers then it will need to shout at you again some of that stuff just strikes me as being so automatic for many of us you know take it for granted that we know what our body is doing so you know again that kind of noticing if that's you and then things yeah. have suddenly changed that must be hard it really is like I remember being in the car with a new like I, I got a new to me car and I was like and I hadn't changed the seat position and my husband was next to me and he was like you look really uncomfortable I'm like I am he was like well adjust it make it better I was like I don't know how to because I don't know where my body is or what I actually do yeah need to, do to get me he was like so he was very good at just telling me like oh okay well actually doing it for me he was like does this feel yeah. better I was like yes thank you I needed someone to tell me I needed that external help to help me know where my body was in space yeah and also that you felt safe enough that's the word of the day for me the kind of safety yeah. Yeah. to be able to say this is what I'm experiencing mm-hmm. and I need yeah. help yes yeah and, and that's I'm, okay yes and also trusting that you might not need that help the next day and yeah. letting you do it which is again if linking back to what we talked about last time I think which is giving people autonomy as well so so that it's lovely that you had that help that day to move that car seat but perhaps just helping those significant others know what you want in terms of autonomy going forwards not to presume yes ask or that you can tell them when you do need help when you don't and that that's all okay boundaries and being assertive and yeah and that things 
can change from day to day. Yeah, absolutely. There's also um, speech and language therapy can also be really, That's really the important. thing, yeah, that we want to get in as well, because I'm not yeah. sure most people know what really what speech and language therapy is if you're not a clinician yourself, whereas physiotherapy, occupational therapy, I think are more familiar yeah. terms to people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so speech and language therapists can be really, really helpful in terms of helping you know like how your your tongue, your mouth, your um, vocal cords, what happens in FND is essentially they get disconnected. Yes. They're not these smooth, lovely, automatic movements. And what can yes. often happen with speech issues is when we're stressed, when we're um, feeling lots of pressure or if we're yes. very fatigued, essentially it can just affect how our muscles work mm. and it can make our speech quite dysarthric or it can make it really difficult to find words or it can just let people know what dysarthric means sorry so dysarthric means like a laboured slurred effort for yeah and also you can have functional uh, swallowing issues as well so things that, where you might find things getting stuck in your throat which again is quite difficult and so speech and language therapy check this out yeah. um and I'm sure my speech and language therapy colleagues would really want me to say like reflux can often be a really like key part of swallowing difficulties yeah as well yeah. which is often underlooked so it's when it can be really difficult if you've got um particularly silent reflux coming up with acid coming yeah. up from from your stomach and what um, speech and language therapists again do is around safety with speech and yeah. getting your, your tongue and your mouth kind of all your things moving in a way that loosens them up and gets them automatic without the pressure of having yes. to speak. Um, singing can That's also be so really important. helpful because, again, automatic thing. Yes. Yawning. Yeah. Again, it's automatic. <laughs> our body <laughs> just takes it. over when we yawn. <laughs> So, um, again, it's thinking around if speech is a particular, and speech was one of my issues, and it's all, that's the, one of the tricky things with FND. It's around, yeah. Yeah. it goes after the, again, for a, a phrase from my colleague, Kim Wilson, it's a gremlin that sometimes goes after the things that are most important to you. Yeah. And, we, and we can understand that because we pay lots of attention to the things that. We do. Yeah. Anyway. And the thing is like, so when I look, when my speech was tricky, I'm a psychologist and you would never think that I had speech issues given how long I've like rabbited on for the last like two times I met you, Sarah. But if I can't speak. But for you at that time, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking yeah. that you'd had that experience, but also when we come back to kind of that threat mode and, and brain panicking about mm -hmm. the future, how often mm -hmm. that might show up for you? What if that happens again? And yes. you know, what you do is so important. The talking is so important. Absolutely. And what do, what do yeah. other people going to think about me? Like I can yeah. so hide a little bit. Yeah. The, yeah. If my legs decided not to work, I can kind of mostly like manage, like hide that a little bit if I'm out. Speech and literally like it's yeah. such a cool part of what we do. It is literally the core element of what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So I didn't know if I would have a career, essentially. Um so but we almost do a whole episode on that kind of destabilizing could. that's part three <laughs> yeah you know that sense of um, self what you do all of that and if resources aren't out there um or maybe there are resources out there but if you're struggling to find help as well or if finances are a bit of an issue and you do need to think yeah, about private course. practice yeah. one of the yeah. key things that we talked about right at the even before we started was 
psychological rehab for FMD doesn't need to be you're signing up for weeks and weeks and weeks of weekly therapy because that is really That's expensive. so important yeah. yeah it can be fortnightly it can be monthly and how I work is I tend to kind of say like try free sessions like see how we get free is in the number yeah. three but I do offer reduced sessions mm. if due to my like okay, so that's useful then that people yeah. can ask their practitioners absolutely what could this look like and that together yes. we can discuss that and come up with a plan absolutely but also there's no shame in asking whether people do offer reduced yeah. sessions yeah, some people will some people won't some people yeah. offer yeah. um uh like a certain amount of slots so yeah 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 um yeah. or they might be able to provide you with some resources to kind of while you're waiting as well so um that's all yeah. so important there may be people listening to this who are in the early stages of getting a diagnosis or recently have who are then worried about getting access and obviously there's NHS routes and we've talked you know, there are services for FND but then there you know in some localities it's about sourcing those people individually but if we said asking questions what do they provide what could it look like but then there's the private practitioners yep. but even within that there's flexibility in different models absolutely yeah absolutely um and most practitioners we, we would know other practitioners as well so we yes, a, yeah we're a small but mighty community in the fnd sussex community so we Which kind I of love. recommend like people or and can recommend people get like nhs services as well so that's always the key point the like, safety in that because then also you know my other sideline is you know who you're getting you know they're qualified they're regulated um absolutely. and i think for sometimes for families that must be really welcoming to know absolutely. who they're going absolutely and I'm going to do a little plug for your book as well. But if you are <laughs> yeah, concerned you. about like, how do I know if I'm getting the right therapist? And what I loved about you, love about your book as well. It's not, I think there's so much applicable to allied health therapists as well, allied yeah. health professionals as well as not, as well as psychological therapists as well. It's HCPC registration. You can ask people about their experience yeah. and what, what they do as well as what they don't do. And it's okay well, to ask them. Yeah. But clinicians, whatever your profession, we don't mind people asking us. We want right. you to ask us. Look yeah. us up. <laughs> ask yeah. those really tricky questions. And it, it's okay if it isn't necessarily a way to good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, thank you so much, Tara. I've, I've, I just, yeah, I just say I could literally, we could probably just keep doing episode after episode. But my yeah. big takeaway is there's something about safety values asking yep. question but also kind of busting those myths that right I'd like to see somebody so we know off the back of our last podcast you know people want to know more about you Michelle don't they but there may be those questions of do I have to see you weekly that absolutely have those discussions of what it can look like it doesn't have to be this you know rigid model um absolutely. so even if you're booking in and having an assessment with someone and then taking it from there those are all really valued things so people have or may have listened to the last episode but where are you because people are going to now want to find you where do you hang so, out how can people get hold of you i hang out in horsham um and good place good to, choice i like horsham. yes yes um but i can see people online nationally and internationally as well i'm fully sure to cover people internationally as well so um yeah good. and when i'm doing my 
uh, equine work that tends to be a bit in Surrey and yes that's a whole other conversation that's a whole other conversation. oh well I have a podcast episode planned with your lovely yes. colleagues so we're going to be covering that and yeah. I can't wait myself to learn yeah. more about equine therapy as well yeah so uh thank you so much for having me on Tara really appreciate oh it's an it. absolute pleasure I always love talking to you um so I'm Definitely, we guess to do part three at some point as well. There's so much more that we can cover, which is lovely because we get feedback from people and that can help us know what, what we want to cover more of. Um, is there from today just one little adversity takeaway that you could leave adversity us with? Adversity takeaway um, that essentially being compassionate to yourself can give you space to yeah. too much. It can really strengthen your sense of uh, like your your own sense of whether or not you can overcome this adversity. And I love that. Hope. We're ending on yeah. hope. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bearing with my post-COVID cough <laughs> today. I'm sorry. I've been kind of coughing all the way through. Um, it's lovely to have you on and I'm hoping that you'll come back super soon. Um, go look Michelle up, everybody. Read more about her um, and get your FND journey started in the right way. Thank you, Michelle. It's been lovely having you. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo and it's been lovely having you along to listen to this episode. If you want to find more about me, you can find me at drtara.co.uk so you'll see everything I'm up to, my media work, my collaborations, my clinical work if you're interested in that and of course all the other episodes of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. If you're interested in coming on, you can also contact me and let me know what you would like to come and talk about. I love to hear from you.